technical difficulties. We're glad you're here. Glad you're tuning in and worshiping with us today. And I trust that, that your life is good, that, uh, that you are finding yourself in through, through this adjustment uh, to realize that, that uh, there, there are a lot, of, a lot more positives than there are negatives. And I trust that your heart is open today as we worship in spirit and in truth, that today that, that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God will inundate your very soul. And that the truth of God will come out and God will grant to all of us wisdom, but also at the same time encourage us and strengthen us. Today our, our theme is much more about refinement. Last week we talked about refreshment and this week it's more about refinement of how God is refining the character of who we are. And we look forward to the time, hopefully sooner now than later, that we'll be back together as a group uh, worshiping here. And of course uh, today... We focus on life about life with God, uh, life with Jesus in our heart. And so I trust that your faith is encouraged, uh, your mind is, is centered upon Him. So I just ask you to turn off the distractions that may be around you. And so let's just focus together as we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, because this is a day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity today to be able to worship in spirit and in truth, to be able to recognize that you are God and to recognize your goodness, uh, your provision, and all that you provide as our caregiver and, and our great physician. We pray for healing upon this land. We pray for healing upon the sick. We pray for healing upon our lives spiritually. And we just lift you up and, and magnify you as Father God as friend, as one who, who inundates our life uh, with love. And we give you praise and give you thanksgiving. In your name that we pray.
Today I want to bring a message to you that's entitled uh, Refining the Chosen. In fact, the message title came to me last week in some of the, new, the, some of the feed that, that we were seeing when we were all connected together. J.J. Robinson made a comment in that it was refinement in confinement. And so it gave me the idea of the message, and I worked on it this week, and come up with these thoughts about refinement, uh, or really refining the chosen. And one of my favorite characters in Scripture is that of Moses. 
And Moses becomes a great example of how God used him in tremendous ways that, that demonstrated how he was refined and perfected throughout uh, life that God had for him. I'm going to be looking once again at several scripture. If for some reason you miss a scripture, you know, you may want to just jot it down and go back and, and look at it and read it later. But I'll try to repeat those scriptures so you can get them. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 36, with the focal verse of verse 30. And beginning there in Acts chapter 7, verse 17, it says this. Now, it's just kind of in the context of the story that we're going to look, look at in Exodus kind of in a repeating but I want you to see how Paul has put together uh, these words, or if you believe that Luke is the writer of Acts, the, the, the writer put together these words in verse 17. As the time was drawing near to fulfill, fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt until a different king ruled over Egypt who did not know Joseph. A dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our forefathers by making them leave their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. And at this time, Moses was born. He was beautiful before God. He was nursed in his father's home three months, and when he was left outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech as well as actions. As he was approaching the age of 40, he decided to visit his brothers, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his brothers would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully saying, men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed him away saying, who appointed you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this disclosure, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian where he fathered two sons. And in verse 30, it says, after, now listen to this, after 40 years had passed, the angel appeared to him in the desert of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush, which we have recorded in Exodus chapter 3. And we'll look at it in just a moment. But after 40 years, the question is, what happened during those 40 years that allowed Moses to be platooned to the leadership that God would use him for the next 40 years. And it goes on to say in, in verse 31, when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. And the Lord said to him, take off your sandals or take the sandals off your feet because the place you're standing is holy ground. He said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. Now come, I will send you to Egypt. So we see the story repeated in New Testament 
of how God used Moses. But the question is, we know what happened and how Moses' life was preserved, how God used his situation and put Moses in a predominant leadership under the house of Pharaoh. He was well-fed, well-taken care of. He was educated, as the Scripture says, with all wisdom of the Egyptians. And then something occurred that would basically lead Moses to go to exile. And because he was trying to defend his actual brothers, he killed someone of that of an Egyptian. And even now he knew, others knew about it, so Moses basically ran. And so after 40 years, so my question is this, is, is there a possibility that the time that you and I are given during these 40 days that we've just had and will come to an end on Friday, could it be that these last 40 days have been a time in which God has been refining the character of who you are? Refining the person for the betterment of who, who you are, but more importantly, refining the character so that you are better apt in your fellowship, your relationship, your service, your ministry, the person you are as you serve God every day from this day forward. So as we look at this message, you look at how Moses, he was rejected, and we look at how he handled that rejection and how God put together the pieces of the brokenness of his life and put him back on the shelf of usefulness for a mighty purpose to bring about millions, the saving of millions of lives as they would inhabit back the land of Canaan or that of the promised land. So let me ask you a question on onset, and then we're going to look at a scripture in John chapter 8, verses 2 through, two, excuse me, 2 through 11. In John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11, and the question is this, how do you handle, how do you handle rejection? How do you handle rejection? Well, look at John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11, and let's see how Jesus handled rejection. At dawn, he went to the temple complex again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down, and he began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, he commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down, started writing on the ground with his finger. And then he persisted in questioning, then they persisted in questioning him. He stood up and he said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again and he continued writing on the ground. And when they had heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you. And she said, Go, and he said, Go, and from now on, sin no more. You see how this how Jesus handled rejection. When all of the, the men, the religious leaders, and of course we know it's a, it was a man's world during that ancient time, 
and yet the, the law came down on the woman, not the man. But regardless of that, the, the, the fact is she's standing there before Jesus and all of a sudden they're presenting her as being this dirty woman and Jesus looks at her and how, how does he handle the rejection she had in her life? He restores her. He loves her. He has compassion upon her. He gives her the, the commendation to sin no more. He gives her the exhortation so that she can have a better life. And so I'm sure from that point on, there was a refining that took place in this woman's life. And yet, we want to see, you know, how you and I handle rejection as well. well let's continue on. Let me give you one more example of how Jesus handled rejection. The ultimate picture is in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 34. It is the time that is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, what happened on the cross and one of the last words that Jesus would say. And in verse 33, when they had arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And so as a result of that, we see Jesus, how he specifically handled rejection in his own life. We see how he handled rejection in someone else's life and how he restored them and, and continued to refine who they were. And then Jesus' words of how he handled rejection himself, he didn't say now in, in anger, he didn't say anything that would be detrimental to the character of any person. He just said, Father, I love them so, and Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even on the cross, even in the dying moment, Jesus showed compassion, care, and love. And so Jesus handled that rejection that day to affirm to you and I and to give us a wonderful example of what we're to do when, when blows are blown towards us, when we feel like we've been given the raw deal, how we feel as if that we're outcast in that situation, or that we have done something and we feel isolated uh, spiritually in our life. And so as a result, we see Jesus handling rejection with great love, with great compassion, and great care. So now let's go back to Moses' story. Let's go back to the theme of refinement, of how Moses was refined during the, that period of many years. And you go back to Exodus chapter 2. Now I want to talk to you about Moses' story of perseverance. Moses' story of perseverance. And in that I want to give you five things that we understand in Moses' life, those, those things that happened through Moses' life that would preserve him. And so Moses' story of perseverance in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with asphalt and pitch. She placed the child in it and set it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile. And then his sister stood at the distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile 
And while her servant girl was walking along the riverbank, seeing the basket among the reeds, she sent her slave girl to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, a little boy, crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a woman from the Hebrews to nurse the boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. And then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and she nursed him. Here was Moses. And here is the story of Moses' life. Moses' story of perseverance is that, number one, Moses is rescued and his life is preserved. His, his story is, it seems as if it's coming to an end because the Egyptians were threatened by Moses and threatened by all the Hebrew bo- little boys. And even Moses being a little boy, all those little children were a threat to Pharaoh. So they were trying to spare his life. And, and so as a result, uh, his actual mother put him in a basket, set him down the Nile. And so, so they found the child. And so happened how God worked and orchestrated. He actually was reunited back with Mo, his own mother. And so Moses is rescued and life is preserved. Could it be? The question that I, that I ask is this. It's an exciting question, really. Could it be that during your uh, your confinement period, if we'll call it, during the times that we've had to take an introspection of who we are, during the times that we've had together over the last 40 days, coming close to that, could it be that it is a preservation of your very spiritual life? Could it be that God is preserving something within you that somehow was killing you and you didn't even know it? That something spiritually was happening in your life that was causing you to go further and further away from God and God in his grace and God in his glory and God in his might set forth something in motion to happen all across the world to preserve your life as it is spiritually. Just as he preserved Moses' life physically. All right, let's look at something else. Let's look at Exodus chapter 2, continuing on to read, picking up in verse 12 through verse 15. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Who made you a leader and judge over us? The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. And yet, he says, when Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a whale. It's interesting. A lot of things happen at a whale. A lot of things happen with water, and even in Jesus' life. might be a great story and a great study as you study the Scriptures from the Old Testament, New Testament. How many times did life change at the whale? And you'll find, just like the woman who was caught in adultery, we find, we find the woman who, who reaches out to Jesus. We'll find water all around. Something about the water that preserves but second, but second of all, focusing on Moses. Moses failed. Now, a lot happens from the time that he was recovered in the Nile to the scripture that begins in verse 12 through 15 that we just read. Now, Moses has grown up, and he's trying to, to preserve life for his brothers. He kills an Egyptian. He gets wound up in things he shouldn't have. As a result, Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh's after Moses' life. 
because he had killed an Egyptian. And so Moses fled, and there he was for 40 years. Something began to take place. And during that time of confinement of his own life by choosing, God is in the work of refinement to create a new Moses. So Moses failed. And in that failing, God redirected Moses' life. He helped him to see things. Could it be? Could it be that in the preservation of your very soul spiritually over these last days, that God is trying to grab your attention and my attention to redirect our focus, to redirect our mind, to redirect the character of who we are, to redirect our motivation, to redirect all, the, all, of, all that that's within us so that we will stand forth on the platform of life and be ready to accept whatever challenge and ministry that God has for us to go forth with more enthusiasm and more excitement, to serve him every day of our life greater than what we have served him before, that God is redirecting our life through the failure that maybe you and I have had together in our own personal life. God took Moses and rescued him and preserved his life. God took Moses' failure and he redirected his life. Now, number three, let me show you this. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 2 and 4, and I think, it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture all throughout uh, the Old Testament and New. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire within a bush. And as Moses looked, and this is after those years in which God has redirected and built within Moses a powerful character. And when he knew Moses was ripe, as Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. It's kind of like, duh, why isn't the bush burning up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, when the Lord saw that Moses was ripe and was ready to get out of the confinement of his own life, when, when God saw that Moses was ready to move forward to a new platform in life, when God saw Moses was ready to accept whatever God was going to say to him, God called out from him from the bush, and he says, Moses, Moses. Here we see Moses called from God. And we see from this point on, Moses' life is defined. Not only from a preservation point, not only from the point of direction, but now we find the definition of Moses' life after the 40 years of his self-confinement, of running because of the wrong that had happened in his life. And so we see something exciting because God, God is doing something big in Moses' life. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, he says, Then Moses said to him, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out. And because of the oppressors, I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from a land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said, Moses, and the exciting thing is, by the definition of who I am and by the redefinition of who you are, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to free my people. 
and to set them on a course of action that's going to get them to the promised land that I have promised them so that was theirs from the very beginning. And Moses, the excitement is you're ready for the challenge. Even though you're saying, I don't know how to speak, even though you're making excuses to me, even though you're trying to create all sorts of objections, I know you're ready. And even if you don't know you're ready, I know you're ready. And, and get the shoes back on your feet and get to marching because I have redefined who you are. And so we see the excitement. So, so confinement can be good. Confinement can change our life for eternity. Confinement can redefine who we are and refine who we are in making the purity of more of who we are come out. Now let me look at something else. Let's look at Moses' confirmation. We see in Exodus chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. I know I'm taking these scriptures out of context, but it's all within the whole context from chapter 2 through chapter 4 that puts this story together. But now jumping over to Exodus chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. Now in Midian, the Lord told Moses, Return to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and set out for the land of Egypt. And Moses took God's staff in his hand. And the Lord instructed Moses, when you get back to Egypt, make sure you do in front of Pharaoh all the wonders I have put within your power, but I will harden his heart so that he won't let the people go. So here's the confirmation. Now he says to Moses, and he actually gives him the assignment. Even though Moses, through that period of time, questioned God, questioned his life, questioned the motives, questioned if he was even the one worthy to accept this challenge. And when God knew that Moses was ready, even though Moses didn't realize that he was ready at the time, God set for him his marching orders. And so Moses is confirmed, you are the man. You are the one. You are the only one that I'm going to use and I'm going to use you in such a thundering way that I'm going to blow the sandals off of Pharaoh's feet. I'm going to change his life because through what you're going to do. And so Moses, this is a confirmation and this is your redefinement. This is why you have spent the last 40 years running for your life. This is why you have spent the last 40 years in isolation, in confinement because of your spiritual life this is the reason why I am going to use you in a greater way. So Moses is confirmed and his life is redefined. Now let's jump back to Exodus, I mean, excuse me, Acts chapter 7, verse 36. In Acts chapter 7, in verse 36, as we go back to the original text that I began with, and let's look at Moses' commission. Moses' commission and his life that is now empowered. In verse 36 of Acts chapter 7, this man led out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea and the desert for 40 years. So God matches his 40 years of confinement with 40 years of greatness. And as a product of that, that comes to a beautiful uh, cultivation is the fact that here is Moses leading all the people, 
out of Egypt, finally convincing Pharaoh that his day is done and that he cannot fight against God, that God is more powerful than anything he ever can think, imagine, and dream. And, Mo, and Pharaoh is feeling as if his life is now under the control of something greater than he could ever imagine in his life. And Moses is commissioned, and there they are at the Red Sea. And Moses stretches out his hands, and those waters divide, and the people are set free from the land of Egypt. And they're on their journey to a life of goodness. All because God used Moses and even used the 400 years of confinement that the people had inside the nate of the, the people in generations from years and years of bondage under Pharaoh. God refined a people, grew up a remnant who will serve him for the rest of their lives. So you're looking at this saying, my goodness, when, when am I going back to some uh, normality in my life? When am I going to be able to go out and, and not worry about getting a germ? When am I going to go out and, and continue my normal life all over again? Those are questions we all have, but that's not the question of this message. The question is, what am I going to do from the time that I've had in these 40 days of my life what am I going to do to better, better serve the Lord who's get, granted me grace, mercy, kindness, and love throughout the process of my life? As Moses demonstrates the example of Moses' life, as it demonstrates there's something greater beyond the sin of our life, there's something greater beyond the confinement of our life, there's something greater beyond the, the psychological downtimes of our life, there's something great. If we'll let God take what we have and use it, God can do something amazing. And I believe he's up to something big. I said that five weeks ago. God was up to something big in the life of his people. And I still believe that. And he's up to something big in your life. I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell each and every one, but I can't. But I do anticipate hearing great stories from this day forward. So let me ask you this question. What happens to you when you're rejected? Compared to how you've reacted, compared to how you see others react, in Jesus, as Jesus shared, as the woman at the well shares, or the woman who's caught in the adultery shares, and Jesus' own rejection on the cross, and how Moses, go, when you look at all those examples and you try to answer what happens to me when I am rejected, our, our life is, doesn't even compare to what we see in Scripture. In fact, it should inspire us to move beyond that rejection. It should inspire us to do something great and, and marvelous. So how about when you fail, not only when you're rejected, but how, how, do you, how do you respond when you fail? It's one thing when people say, I don't want you to be in my life. It's another thing when you fail and you don't want to be in someone else's life because of that failure. So how are you going to respond in that rejection and failure? Well, could it be that rejection time, God says, okay, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the reje rejection of your life, and I surely don't agree with the failure of your life. But 
now that you are experiencing that rejection and now that you're experiencing that failure, could it be that I'm going to caress you in such a way I'm going to put you in the fire? It's going to be like I'm going to purify you with the fire of my love and I'm going to bring out a brand new person and I'm going to take that refinement period and produce something wonderful. As gold is, as metal is refined through fire to produce silver and gold, as, as metals are purified through the heat, maybe God allows the heat of our life, whether it be through rejection and failure, to refine something good, to bring out something as pure as gold so that we can serve him with our whole heart. So let me ask you this. Could it be rejection and failure is God's opportunity for refinement? It surely was in Moses' life. It surely was in the woman who was caught in adultery. It surely was in the criminals' lives who listened to Jesus on the cross. And it was for all of us when Jesus was rejected and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. And it surely was because of what God did in Moses' life. So could it be your rejection and failure spiritually in your life is an opportunity for a great refinement period so that God can purify the greatness that he has already begun, the work he has already begun, and refining it and retuning it for a greater use and a greater goal. It's an exciting example through Moses' life. It's an excitement that God, even in, in Moses' rejection and failure, that God didn't just push Moses aside, but he said to Moses, Moses, now that I've got you listening, I'm going to do something great beyond your capabilities and beyond your imagination. And when the time comes and it's ripe, I'm going to release you from your confinement and I'm going to use you in a greater way than you could ever imagine. And so this morning, could it be that just in a few days or a few weeks or a month from now, you're going to be released from your confinement and you're going to find something greater beyond what you could ever imagine and dream. As I said, God's up to something big and he's up to something big in your life as well as my life. And so give him honor, give him glory, give him opportunity to do something amazing. Maybe today you need to fall on your knees and Cry out to God and say, God, I, I give you my heart and give you my life to do something great beyond my imagination. In other words, it may be your act of surrender that God finally says, okay, now that I've got your attention and now that I've got you where I need you to be, when you rise from your feet, I'm going to use you into greatness. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no greater day than right now to surrender your life to him. To say to him, Lord, I am a sinner, and I need salvation. I need to be saved from the sin and the penalty of my life, the sin of that penalty. And God will give you the greatest desire of your heart, and he will impart truth, and he will cover your sin, and he will give you freedom. Whatever the need is of your life, there's no greater time than cast it before God this day. And to say to him, God, I'm ready to be used. I'm ready to break out of confinement, yes but I'm ready to be used. Father, I thank you that you allow us this very day to focus upon truth, 
and to find encouragement through Scripture, to uplift our mind and our soul, to be excited about what you're going to do in and through our individual lives as a people called by you, to make a greater difference than we've already done, to go to greater places than we've ever traveled, to do something greater than we could ever imagine. And we thank you for what you're going to do in and through our very life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your, uh, your spirit working deep in the crevice of our very soul, providing us wisdom, providing us truth, and in providing us motivation and purpose, love and encouragement. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Clean.